hear now these words from the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Milan and Chilion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Milan and Chilion also died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughter-in-laws from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord look kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that will become your husband's? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and even more as well, if even death parts me from you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some people just know how to hold on. Last weekend, I officiated at a church member's granddaughter's wedding, and I was seated at a reception table with a married couple who had been married for 62 years. I couldn't help but wonder and then ask, how do you stay married to the same person for more than half a century? I've barely made it 15 years. (laughs) The husband got a twinkle in his eye and said, the secret is just two words. Yes, dear. (laughs) Everyone around the table chuckled, and I muttered to myself, I wish my husband knew those words. (laughs) But you and I both know, 
You can't stay really deeply committed to one person for that long simply by knuckling under all the time. Can someone really continue to love you or even respect you if your only part in the relationship is all give and no take? This wasn't the first time that I sat with this couple. I was also seated with them at a funeral reception two years ago. And I had heard a multitude of stories from the family about these two. Before me wasn't a couple that just said yes, dear. Before me was a couple that made a way for each other. She stayed at home to raise the kids while he worked long hours. And after she got her cancer diagnosis, he took cooking classes so he could make nutritious meals for her. He even watched YouTubes on how to do laundry so he wouldn't mess up her delicates. <laughs> Before me was a couple who had, in turn, made a way for each other. As they moved out onto the dance floor, I saw them making way for each other as though they were dancing to a tune only the two of them could hear, moving graciously together and never letting go. Some people just know how to hold on. The Book of Ruth is a short novella. It's a story about family, tragedy, and new beginnings. And even though the characters mention God here and there, God is always off stage, never visibly part of the action. This is a story that very much is about holding on. Ruth knows how to hold on to love without letting go, to love without hope of immediate reward. And it's this passionate, selfless commitment to someone she loves that ultimately blesses her beyond anything she could dare to hope or expect. The story begins with a number of reminders about the fragility of life. Naomi leaves the land of Judah with her family to escape famine becoming economic refugees, settling in a foreign land, and then, unexpectedly, her husband dies. And although her two sons manage to marry women in that country, they also die, childless. As a widow, without any male family members to provide for her, Naomi has no choice but to return to her homeland. We, too, experience this type or similar fragility. Maybe you or someone you know have had to leave a home behind because of financial reasons. Maybe you or someone you know may have experienced the death of a loved one. Life's fragility reminds us that we aren't in control of the many aspects or events of our lives that shape and move our life story. And like Naomi, we feel the pain of what has happened. Bitter is the word Naomi uses to describe how she feels. She feels this bitterness so intently that when she arrives home in Bethlehem, she tells her family to stop using her given name of Naomi, which means sweet, and instead to call her Mara, meaning bitter. She feels this bitterness as an abandonment by God, God promised her ancestors blessing and abundance, but instead she has experienced loss 
and dislocation. The hand of the Lord has turned against me, she says. She feels this bitterness in the sense of isolation and separation. Ruth and Orpah are the only immediate family she's got left. But she asks them to leave her, to let her go. It has been far more bitter for me than you, she says, forgetting that her daughters-in-laws have also suffered their own loss. Naomi feels bitter, God-forsaken, and all alone. And it is just this sad, bitter, and not terribly winsome woman that Ruth loves just as she is. As they embrace, Ruth holds her fast and won't let her go. The Hebrew word that the scripture uses here is the same word that we read last month in Genesis, where it describes what happens when two individuals come together and form a new union, a new family. Ruth clings to Naomi, and she solidifies their relationship by making these vows of her own. Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from you, she says. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. This is a solemn promise that changes the course of Ruth's life. She is all in. She commits herself to a future with Naomi. What's especially remarkable is that she's not getting or asking for anything in return. As Naomi points out, there's no reason to hope that Naomi can whip up a new husband for Ruth. They're traveling to a land that is foreign to Ruth, where Ruth will have no other family, no network of support, where customs, language, and even the religion are different, where people there who they meet will probably not fully accept Ruth, as a member of their community. There's not a whole lot of practical upside in this choice that she's making, nor is Naomi a particularly engaging companion at this stage in her life. If you read on a few verses beyond where we stopped, you'll find a scene where Ruth and Naomi make their way in the town of Bethlehem. Naomi tells the people who greet them, I went away full, But the Lord has brought me back empty. In other words, I have lost everything that matters to me. Everything. Can you imagine being Ruth standing right next to her and how hard that must have been to hear? But she doesn't protest or turn on Naomi. She simply accepts Naomi for her station, for who she is. And Ruth continues to hold on to cling to her. Ruth and that older couple chose to hold on, to love someone without letting go through disease, grief, and trauma. They do this not in a transactional way, not because they expect to get something out of it, but because the one they love matters. There is a lot that we cannot control, and much of life we do not get to choose. But we can choose to love and to not let go. The Hebrew language has a word for this kind of love. When you love steadfastly, faithfully, loyally, without letting go, 
That kind of love is called hesed. Again and again throughout scripture, hesed is the word used to describe the kind of love that God has for God's people. Other belief systems, other religions might have theories about God's power or omniscience or omnipotence. But that's not what we have in our Bible. What we have is a story of a God who loves and won't let go. And when a book like Ruth makes it into the Bible, it does so because it tells a story of faithfulness in human relationship. And it gives us a glimpse of the fierce, uncalculated, unresting love God has for each one of us. Human fidelity is fragile. And sometimes it is because we find we're not strong enough to keep the commitments that are supposed to last forever. And sometimes it's because we're vulnerable, finite human beings. And we find that other persons who we are committed to have hurt us and have hurt us once too many times. Between human beings, faithfulness, it takes two. And there's no fault or blame when someone leaves a relationship that is abusive when someone leaves a relationship that leaves them diminished, when someone leaves a relationship that damages them in body or spirit. The news is this, that God's love for us is not like human relationships. Human relationships can and might, and I hate to say it, will burn us. But God's love for us is not only in faithfulness, but God loves us when we damage or disappoint God, when we betray God in or who or what we are. God's love for us is not like human love. God is strong enough to stay with us. God loves us with arms stretched out on a cross. God's love is stronger than our hatred, stronger than our wrongdoing, stronger than death itself. If you remember only one thing this day, remember this that you are loved, loved with a fierce and passionate love that takes you as you are, that won't let you go. Through life's disruptions and times of grief, God's love will not be sent away home, but accompanies us into the future that we can't yet see. God says this to each one of us. I love you, you yourself with all your grief, with all your anger, with all your anxiety. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, in loss, in fear, in pain, under oppression, I will live with you there. Not even death will part me from you. I love you steadfastly, faithfully, always. This is what our God says to you. This is what our God says to me. This is what our God says to us. And that is the reminder that we have this morning. That God's love holds on to us as we cling and hold on to